This message is brought to you by House on the Rock Fellowship. We are a church that serves and cares for the Miami Valley region in Ohio. Before you continue, make sure to access the notes from our download section of our message page and have your Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Uh, Luke chapter 2. Let me read something for you. It will be familiar, I pray. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Fear not, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. That is Christmas. That's not just Christmas. That's the banner of anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. That good news of great joy has come for all people. For every church, for every individual. Holding true to those six words. There is good news of great joy for all people. All people. I love the word all. Because you know what it means? It means all and so if you came in this morning and you're sad, and some of us are sad this time of year, and understandably so. Someone who used to be isn't here anymore. Something has broken and it can't be fixed. You're looking to the celebrations of next week and you're like, it's not a lot to celebrate. You're sad. The angel said, I have good news of great joy for all people. And that's you. Maybe you're just frustrated. You're not sad, but you're frustrated. Maybe it's something at work or something in the marriage, something at home. The bills just aren't making sense. Things aren't lining up and you're frustrated. Frustrated enough that you've kind of lost sight of your joy. Well, the angel said, I have good news of great joy for frustrated people too. Maybe you have no idea what joy is whatsoever. And you're just driving by and you saw the Christmas lights and you figured, hey, it used to be a grocery store. Let's see what's going on. I used to play bingo here. And you had no idea that it was going to be a church. But here you are and you feel awkward standing up and leaving. And so you're stuck for a little bit. That's okay for you too, for you too. There's good news of great joy for all people. What is joy? Today we talk about joy. We're in the midst of this Advent season. We talk about light candles for hope. That true light has come into the world of our darkness, but God has given us something to hope in, in Jesus Christ. We lit a candle for love last week. Because the word became flesh. The word was God. The word was with God. And we've been invited with Jesus into that loving relationship of God. 
And today we talk about joy. So how do you talk about joy? What, what does joy mean? How do you define joy? You're like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's joy. You know, it feels like joy. And I think that's exactly right. It's that heart's uplifted response when it tastes something good. That's joy. It's that heart's uplifted response when it tastes something good. Maybe you've been around when a baby's been born and you're like, there's joy there. Yeah, there was fear and there was crying and there was pain. But oh, something good has happened. And so now there's joy. Or maybe you just had a good meal. And afterwards you're like, man, that was good. And you have joy because you tasted something good. Last night we uh, made this amazing meal. It's kind of like uh, these, these little pot stickers with wrapping. This thing really almost used to ruin our marriage when we'd make this recipe because there's this coordinated effort of blanching the cabbage rolls and cutting the cabbage rolls and folding the cabbage rolls, stuffing the cabbage rolls, and then pan searing the cabbage rolls. And that's, that's if you ever come to me for marriage counseling, there's a few things I'm going to have you guys do. One of them is you have to go canoeing together. Okay, because if there's anything that's going to test a relationship, it's so going canoeing together and she's going to be in the back and you're just going to have to deal with it. Okay, okay. Second thing is decorating a Christmas tree. Love to see how that goes. Okay, and the third thing is making this recipe because, oh, but afterwards it was so good, so full of joy and delight. The boys were enjoying it and you're like, is that really joy? Absolutely, that's joy. Why can't that be joy? You listen to a good concert. You, you see a beautiful sunrise. Things that uplift the heart. Yeah, joy. Taste something good. But what is it that the angel says is great joy? Not just joy a little bit, but great joy. Well, I would say this morning that great joy comes from the gospel of Jesus. Only great joy can be found in the gospel of Jesus. And I want to unpack a verse with you this morning from John chapter 1. So if you'd turn there, please, or Nikki will have verses up on the screen so you can follow along. It's just one verse, John chapter 1, verse 14. There's Bibles in the seats in front of you. I see that some of you brought Bibles. That's awesome. Ava's got hers. She's going to bust it out. Lucas brought his. Going to bust it out. Nope, going to take his mom's. Uh, that's just cool. It's fancy. Y'all got Bibles. John chapter 1. It's one of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 1. We love that sound. Let me read it for you. John 1 verse 14. John is, is writing like, uh, like an advocate, an attorney. He's putting forth a case in his gospel, this book, about who Jesus is. He wants you to be overwhelmed with the gospel. And he wants you to turn from what other, other gospels you're following. And John 1.14 is kind of his purpose statement. It's what the whole book's about. John 1 verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me read it one more time. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the gospel. We have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. 
Let me unpack just a few things in this for you this morning as we think about great joy and great joy found in the gospel of Jesus. When he says the word, that's the son, that's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. He's saying, let's think about the story of Jesus. This is the life of Jesus. This is who he is. This is what he did. He put on flesh. He became human. He walked among us. Literally, he tented. He set up his tent next to ours. He moved into the neighborhood. He did life with us. We ate together. We cried together. We hiked together. We worked together. But beyond that, we saw him suffer. This is John reflecting back on his dearest friend. We saw him suffer. We saw him brutally crucified. We saw him die. We saw him alive afterwards. We have seen his glory, he says. Again and again and again, the life and the death of Jesus Christ is his good news. In our foundations class, which is a catechism program that we teach for people that want to build a strong foundation in their faith, we teach it every Sunday night. One of the first things that we learn and that they learn is what is the gospel? Every Christian should know what the gospel is, right? In fact, I want you all to take out a piece of paper. You're going to turn this in. i just kidding. We wouldn't do that. What is the gospel in its rawest, simplest form? What's the gospel? This is what we teach them to memorize. It's the better news, because there's a lot of gospels out there. It's the better news that King Jesus has come. Jesus is coming as a king. He's a king doing two things. He's restoring creation and rescuing the humanity that he loves. He's restoring creation. We really screwed this up. Can we be honest? Look around. It's bad. I mean, is anyone a little concerned like it's a rain shower out there in the middle of December? Like, that's kind of weird. Yeah, that's weird. You follow the news and you hear stories and you watch how things seem to be working. You're like, man, we have really, really broken this. But good news, Jesus came to restore that and rescue humanity. Rescue us from our treason. Rescue us from our corruption and our brokenness. He moved into the neighborhood because he loves us. That's the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And after his resurrection, it says people saw him. Mary, I saw him. I saw him die. We buried him. He was in the ground. I just saw him. John, Peter, hear this. They run to the tomb. They see the empty tomb. Run back. Dude, he's gone. He shows up. We've seen him. It says they are glad when they have seen the risen Lord. That produces joy. Why? Because it's saturated with glory. For we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Glory is simply the radiant power of God on display. The radiant power of God on display. Think bright. Think shining. Think illuminous. Think powerful. The kind of power that moves you. In, in John chapter 2, they tell the story of this wedding feast. I, sometimes I'll tell this story when I do a wedding because um, I said a wedding and I'm at a wedding and it has to do with Jesus. And Jesus shows up and Mary walks and says, hey, there's a problem. They ran out of wine. 
And Jesus is like, this really doesn't have anything to do with me. Like, why, why do I need to be involved? Like, this is not my time. And then Mary just kind of ignores what her son said and looks at the staff and says, just do whatever he tells you to do. And so Jesus says, okay, see all those big vats of water, fill them up full of water, blesses them, they become wine, and that is then taken to the head of the feast. And listen what he, what he says, okay, when he tastes the wine. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and didn't know where it came from, the servants, they drew the water, they knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. When people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, the cheap wine, you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of the signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. It manifested his glory means his radiance, his radiant power was on display. Jesus did this and you're like, holy cow, that's amazing. Notice in that story, the guy's like, hey, listen, there's good wine and there's cheap wine, okay? And the cheap wine ran out. And then you showed up with this really good stuff. Okay, that's the gospel of Jesus. Because there's more than one gospel out there. You know, there's a lot of gospels out there. Gospel is not a unique term to Jesus Christ. Some of us who grew up in church, like gospel, oh yeah, that's Jesus. When you come down to the altar, you say the prayer, and then you do the thing. That's the gospel, right? Uh, gospel is a very common word in the ancient Near East. Gospel is like the herald of big news. Hey, something big's happened. New emperor in town. Good news. Gospel. Culture has a gospel for you. Did you know that? They have, some, they have some news that they want to sell you. Sure, absolutely. Social media, they have some good news for you. They have, they, they have some news that they want to get you to buy in on. Sure. Government, your friends, your neighbor, your past, all of these pieces. Sure, 100%. Putting forth a gospel. And those gospels will have some joy attached to it, won't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Went out with my friends on Friday night and we had a good time and it was full of joy. I believe it. I believe it. But I bet you the wine ran out and I bet you it was cheap because Jesus shows up with something far better because his gospel is something far, far better. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father. A power that moves us. I was uh, given a book this week. I love getting books. And it was from a pastor friend of mine. And in that book, it unpacked a, a, a section of scripture that I hadn't read in a long, long time. And I want to read it for you because what it talks about is this very thing right here. The difference and the joy that's found in the gospel of Jesus. It talks about how all these destructive things have happened to God's people. But then God shows up. And it says this. This is Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 12, if you want to see it later. Isaiah 25, verse 6. It says, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people, all people, that sounds a lot like good news of great joy for all people, a feast of rich food. A feast of well-aged wine, 
of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over the people, the veil that's spread over all the nations. He will swallow up forever and the Lord will wipe away tears from their faces. The reproach of his people will take away from the earth for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on this day, behold, this is our God. We've waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord we've waited for. Let us be glad and rejoice in salvation. As Isaiah looks forward to the day of promise and of hope and of love, he says it's a day of joy because God on this mountain, this particular mountain, this place, God will bring forth a great feast and that feast will bring joy. He'll remove the shroud of darkness and the shroud of fear and the shroud of pain because his gospel is of great joy for all people. A great feast. I grew up watching Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka. How many of you remember growing up watching Willy Wonka? Yeah, Gene Wilder, right? There's a new Wonka that's come out. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. Okay, that's cool. That's great. Okay, I'm an old, old school Gene Wilder's fan, right? Yeah, yeah. Who can take tomorrow? Yeah, Gene Wilder. Awesome. So in the earlier part of the movie, once they get to the factory, the kids that were promised, you know, found the golden you know, ticket, they're going to go be led through the factory, come into the factory, they hang up their hats, their coats, they sign the contract, they walk down the long hallway, and they're at this door, okay? This amazing door. And something is on the other side of this door. And if you were a kid growing up and you watched this and you knew it was on the other side of the door, dude, you're like geeking out. I was like, I know what's on the other side of the door. It's the biggest. That's this massive, massive room. So full of everything that you could possibly want to eat and chocolate waterfalls and giant gummy bears and all this. It's, 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 it's a delight. And they open up the door and the kids step through and they say, and behold, this wonderful feast. When they were making the movie, they didn't let the kids see that room until that actual moment of shooting. Because they wanted their response to be as authentic and joyful as possible. So when that big door swings open and the camera pans in and the kids step into this magical space of delight and wonder and joy, that's the face. The uplifted heart that's tasted something good. What is at the feast? What is it in the gospel so saturated with his glory? The glory that moves us and grabs a hold of us. What is it there? He goes on to say it's two things. It's glory full of grace and truth. What makes the gospel so joy-filled and where all the other gospels of the world fall short? Jesus' gospel is full of grace. It's full of truth. So what's grace? Grace is simply God's love to sinners. It's top down. God's love to sinners. And I started to reflect on, because that, that's, that, that's, like that's like a big thing. That's like the whole Christmas turkey right there. We got to carve that one up a little bit and kind of pull those pieces and give my boys the turkey legs because they like the turkey legs. 
grace. Uh, there's seven things about grace that I think kind of help us get a hold of its beauty and its wonder. Okay, one, you got to talk about distance. When you talk about grace, you got to talk about distance. Let me explain. Distance. He came from heaven down to earth. That's far. That's far. That's far theologically. That's far relationally. That's far spiritually. Glory as of the Son from the Father to me. I'm a tea drinker, okay? I like tea, okay? Some of you uh, like bring me tea and that's so sweet, so precious. And, and you'll like order it in from these places. Some of you have like even ordered in like earliest virgin green tea leaves from inner Asia. And I'm like, holy cow, that's like legit. It has come such a distance. Okay, I'm going to respond to that differently as opposed to you going to Kroger and giving me a Lipton bag, right? You're like, I'm like, here, Merry Christmas. I'm like, yeah. Woohoo. Why? Because the distance that gift had to cover, right? More than that, grace is valuable. There's a value to it. It covers all my sinfulness, all my treason, all my treachery. The value of it, its capacity. One of the things that we joke around about doing, but we still do it anyways, is after the uh, Christmas Eve gathering, which will be next Sunday night, seven o'clock, my family will do it. Boys will be up here. We'll have a, share a time with you. We always, afterwards, we go to McDonald's. It's just one of those things that we do. And some of you have gotten in on it. And I'm not saying, I know, don't, I know how many calories. It's all right, whatever. It doesn't count. You know what that's made of? Yeah, don't care. Whatever. It's, it's fun. It's yummy. And like last year we had 10 or 12 cars all inside of the drive-thru. Like no one's expecting this. Vanessa calls ahead now. She's like, hey, FYI, church service is getting out. We're coming over to so McDonald's is ready. Uh, imagine if you will, like I'm ahead of you in line and I want to just pay the love of God forward. Okay. And so you say, hey, you know what? There's these people behind me and I just want to bless them. And so here's a dollar for their bill. And then I drive off. Like, a dollar? Like, that's it? Like, if you were to do that to me, I have to, it's a mortgage payment to take three teenage boys to McDonald's, okay? And so you're gonna, a dollar? Like, dude, that don't cover it. The grace of God is of such value, it covers it. It covers all my lostness all my brokenness, all my treason. That's grace. The, the distance that he came to bring it, the value of it, it's universal. It's universal. Meaning it's not just for me, it's for all of us, right? So the angel said, good news of great joy for all the people. So for all of us. Well, what if I had this background? Covers it. What if I come from this side of the street? Covers it. What if I believe this? Covers it. What if a sexual limit? Covers it. What if I did? Covers it. Covers it. It's universal. Universal. It's an us, but it's also, it is a me. It's, it's a personal. It's a personal gift. I, I get Christmas cards uh, at Christmas. I don't send them. I just don't. Um, I get them 
And when I get like a handwritten note inside of it, pastor, thank you so much. I love you, been praying for you, praying for your family. Have a Merry Christmas. You know, that's awesome. That, that, my wife, she'd take all of these and she puts them up on the mirror in our dining space and you can see all of them. There's another kind of Christmas card that you can get. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's, it's like there is no name on the inside. There is no note. There is no personal attachment to. This doesn't quite have the same value to me. But when someone says, hey, when Jesus, Paul, this is for you. Paul, this is for your brokenness. Paul, this covers your decisions. This covers your lostness. So yeah, the, the, the distance that, that grace covered, the value of it, it's universal, it's personal, but it's also relational. Okay, Relational meaning God wants to walk with me in it. It's not like the Amazon guy who drops off the package and then is gone. Like, you hope so. I mean, it'd be weird if he dropped off the package and just stared at the window for a while. Like, that would be awkward. Like, that's not fun at all. Like, let's not do that. God comes with a gift and the, Jesus says, and the Father and I want to dwell with you in it. Can we dwell in relationship? The gift of God's grace is one of relationship. Let's be in relationship together. It's effective. It changes you. When You can tell when grace gets a hold of somebody, can't you? And you know when you're in kindred spirit, when you're around someone else who's been touched by the grace that so changed you, because grace, grace changes you. It's powerful, remember? The glory of God, that power is in grace. And it's eternal. How many of you had joy in something and that thing is now gone? How many of you have had joy in something and that thing is now gone? Now that you understand. I know I didn't communicate it well. This is my first time. Um, hold your hand up. You have had joy in something and that thing is now gone. The joy is gone. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Sweet. Great. My prayers are working. Um, some joy just doesn't last. Those things don't last. But Jesus says, this joy, no one can take away from you. It's always there. It's always available. It's always accessible. It doesn't run out. It's an eternal joy. It's an eternal grace. The gospel full of grace. And, remember the second part? Grace and truth. That one doesn't sound as fun, does it? Truth, that's kind of cold kind of analytical, kind of black and white. Like, what do we say before we eat? We say grace. So thankful for grace, so thankful for food. We say, let's say truth. No, that's not what we say. No one just gets real excited about truth. Have you thought about that though? Jesus says, I am the truth. The truth sets you free. Jesus is standing before Pilate in this, this interview moment, this, this court case setting, and Pilate's trying to drill down. He's like, so, uh, people say, you're a king. Are you a king? 
She's like, that's, that's why I came. To testify of the truth. And Pilate says, well, what is truth? And I love it. Jesus doesn't say anything. He just stands there. I'm the truth. I'm, I'm reality. I am the embodiment of reality. He says, I'm the embodiment of the true story. I am what is true, what is dependable, what is authentic, what is real. And we need that. You don't want to build a life on a lie. You want to build it on what's true. The true story the King Jesus has come and he's rescuing creation. He's rescuing humanity. That he loves us very much. I, I bumped into this hardcore this week. Uh, my dad was uh, a Shakespearean. He loved Shakespeare. My dad taught college prep English, 10th grade. And I took it. He would quote it, he'd memorize it, he loved it, he shared it. He's, you don't, there ain't no, there's only one Shakespeare, okay? It's just, it's a, it's a category apart. It's just different. And part of the course was you'd go through things like Julius Caesar, okay? Behold, the Ides of March. And you'd have to memorize Mark Anthony's great speech. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. And your grade was based on how much of that monologue you'd memorized, and he told you, all right, you do 20 lines, you get an F. You do 21, between 21 and 25, then you get a D, then you work your way up. Okay, so everyone's like, all right, line 20, 21. All right, if you really had to, if you, you had to memorize the whole thing, Mark Anthony's open monologue, if you were going to get an A uh, in, in that section, okay? Dad loved, because these stories are unique. These stories are special. They're, they're, there's, it's, it's a rich story. You don't change Shakespeare, okay? You don't change Shakespeare. Romeo and Juliet. How many of you are familiar with the story of Romeo and Juliet? Yeah? Okay, you know what happens in the end? Even if you don't know Romeo and Juliet, you know what happens, right? Yeah, they die. It's a tragedy. Everyone dies. If you're not familiar, okay, really short, abbreviated version. He loves her. She loves him. Their family's not real good together at all. Like it's bad. And so, hey, we'll get married secretly and everything will be wonderful. and Everything will be happy. Well, then the plan goes out. Hey, you know what? Juliet needs to fake her death. And so she goes through this thing where she's going to drink this thing that makes her look like she's dead. But Romeo doesn't get the news. All he knows is when he shows up where she's at, she dead. And so what's, his, what, what's he going to do? Well, the love of my life is gone, so let me read it. Can I read it for you? Like, they, just, they don't write stuff like this anymore. He's got some poison in his cup. He's ready to... Eyes, look your last. Arms, take your last embrace. Lips, oh, you, the doors of breath. Seal with a righteous kiss a dateless bargain to engrossing death. Come, bitter conduct, come, unsavory guide. Thou desperate pilot, now at once run on the dashing rocks, thy seasick, weary bark. Here's to my love. He drinks the poison. Oh, true apothecary, the drugs are quick. Thus with a kiss I die. Boom. He's dead. Falls down right on top of her, wakes her up. 
she's expecting to wake up and run off on a happy honeymoon with her Romeo. She wakes up, the pastor's there, he's like, hey, uh, so this didn't go quite according to plan. Um, in fact, he just killed himself, so we need to leave. And she's like, I'm not going. I'm not going. If he's, if he's dead, I, want, I, I have nothing to live for. Can I read? I want to read. Listen, this is what she says. Go thee hence, for I will not away. What's here? A cup? Closed in my true love's hand? Poison, I see, hath been his timeless end. And she goes to drink something. It's empty. Oh, turtle, drunk all and left no friendly drop to help me after. I will kiss thy lips. Happily some poison yet doth hang on them to make me die with a restorative. She kisses him. Thy lips are warm. Nothing happens. Someone comes in. A noise. I'll be brief. She says, oh, a happy dagger. She reaches down, grabs the dagger from his belt. She stabs herself. This is thy sheath. There, rust, and let me die. She dies. The closing repose, the rhymed couplet, if you will, to be technical, the end, goes like this. This is the story. A glooming peace this morning with it brings. The sun for sorrow will not show his head. Go hence. Have more talk of these sad things. Some shall be pardoned and some punished. For never was a story of more woe than this of Juliet and her Romeo. And the curtain falls. That's Shakespeare. It's, it, it gets you. It grabs a hold of you. It moves you, right? Can you imagine hundreds of years ago, you're in the Globe Theater and you've, got, you've sat through this now for a few hours and you're like bawling your eyes out. Big burly knights are bawling their eyes out. It's like, she died and he died and they're all dead. And go, I'm loving on your wife. And this is terrible. That's the story. That's Romeo and Juliet. You don't change Shakespeare. So Friday... I'm watching the news. Not watching the news. She watches the news. I sit with my wife. I love my wife. Sitting with my wife. A new Broadway show is coming out. And Juliet. That's the title for it. And the premise is this. Juliet doesn't die in the end. In fact, for the opening number, she sings Britney Spears, Hit Me Baby, One More Time. And then the opening artist for the Broadway show sings the Britney Spears song. I'm like, are you... you that's not the story. The story is... Star-crossed lovers, warring houses. He dies, she dies, they're dead. Go home and think about it. That's the story. Yeah, but I think a lot of people just don't connect emotionally with that. And so it just, it doesn't, it's not a happy story. 
So what if she doesn't die and we could sing Britney Spears songs? Are you kidding me? What they're doing, and we do the same thing every time we grab a hold of a false gospel or an empty gospel, when we compress the truth, we actually diminish the joy. Hey, let me explain that to you. Well, we change the story so it doesn't end sad. The story is this. God in his majestic glory and righteousness loves you so much and has traveled the tremendous distance of his holy glory to dwell with you in your sinful treason and then to pay the price for you. That's the story, which means that's the joy. That's the level of joy. That's the depth of grace. That's the truth. That's why the glory is so powerful, because the joy is so big. But if we take Christmas and we take Jesus out of heaven and just now he's just a figurine, and we take sinful treasonous humans and we bring them up to the place of goodness, there's not a lot of room for joy there, is there? Because, oh, you changed the story. It's not a story of death. It's not a story of crucifixion. It's not a story of holiness meets the unholy. Could you laugh at that and sing about it and enjoy that? Sure. There's a lot of gospels out there that have a little bit of joy. Some cheap wine that runs out. It's great for a night. But nothing that compares to the great joy for all people in Jesus Christ. Great joy for all people in Jesus Christ. Full of. Full of means brimming over. It's the same word that's used when he feeds the 5,000. They were full. There was no room for anything else. That cup is overflowing. Some gospels, the cup, a little bit of joy. The gospel of Jesus, overflowing cup of grace. Overflowing cup of truth. The kind of power that moves you and grabs a hold of you. That's why joy. That's why I get so concerned when I bump into Christians that just don't manifest very much joy. You know? And you know them too, don't you? You just thought of two of them. Because a follower of Jesus who's grabbed a hold of the story full of God's glory, of good news for all people, man, that just produces joy. And so to bump into a Christian who does not manifest joy, you're kind of like, hey, something's not right here. Something's... Because the hope and the love, the manifest glory and presence of Jesus why we sing the way we sing. 
For some of you, your OCD is really kicking in right now. And your left eye's twitching a little bit. It's like, that one's pink. And the other two are blue. Why is that one different, Paul? Like, I know that, you know, utilities are expensive and things are a little rough, but can't we get three matching candles? Why does that one pink? Well, let me explain to you why that one's pink. The third Sunday of Advent is called Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete is the Latin word for rejoice. Gaudete in Dominus Semper. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Because what's unique about the Christian gospel is that it produces such joy. Despite the darkness that calls for hope, the hope that invites the love of God, there is the reality that in the darkness, the sun will rise and joy comes in the morning. And so we dress in it, we sing it. There is something different with our gospel that produces such joy. Parents, what kind of gospel are you giving your kids this year? You're giving them a gospel. They're going to come out Sunday morning. What gospel will they be presented with? What level of joy? What story are you going to invite them to? Is it one where Jesus is an accessory? Is it is one where we've kind of tried to bridge the gap a little bit? A little joy? Gospel? Or are you going to immerse them in the great story of Jesus? Sunday, Christmas morning, my wife, she wakes up just a little bit more happy. She's got a little bit more jive and juice. She's just kind of doing her thing. She's excited. She gets the music going and the lights are on and the candy dishes are out. And she'll go in and she'll just throw open the doors and invite the boys into a celebration. And the first thing, and I'm so thankful that my son Jackson reminded me of this. Not that I'd forgotten, but that he remembered it. The first thing that we do is we go to our Advent wreath. And right in the center is where Jesus has been wrapped up. Jesus isn't at the nativity set because he's not born yet. We kind of do things biblically here. That's how we roll. Okay, so you can't put Jesus, he's not born yet, can't do that. That morning we open up and we read the song. We read the passage. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government is upon his shoulders. Wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace. And I'll be bawling my eyes out. And the boys are like, can we eat now? But this is the story. This is the gospel. Parents, are you driving your kids to that story? You got about seven days to figure it out. How do I going to immerse my children in that gospel? Of good news, of great joy. Some of you walked in this morning and you had no idea what you're getting in for. Um, you have no idea that there was this thing called great joy. You did not know that it was found in Jesus' gospel, his death, burial, his resurrection. And all of a sudden there's something stirring and moving and you want to receive that. You want to grab a hold of that by all means. You are welcome this morning to grab a hold of that good news gospel. I'll be down front. I don't be here. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. And you can leave with the good news of great joy. It's for all people. Some of you, you lost your joy. You lost your joy. 
It could have been because of your sin. It could have been because of somebody else's sin. That's what sin does. Sin takes joy away. Could have been because somebody else was foolish. It could have been because you're an idiot. Okay? That's an option. That's an option. Okay? And the one who's not laughing right now is the one who knows I'm telling the truth, don't you? Like, yeah. I know what I did. Get that joy back. Receive it afresh. Why? Because grace is eternal and it's everlasting and it's universal. It's the distance, it's the value. It covers all the sinfulness, even last night, even this morning. So maybe this morning, let's get your joy back. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk to you. Or maybe just write it down on a connection card. Hey, pastor, can we talk? To the rest of us, artists, would you come up, please? To the rest of us, uh, let's, let's do what John the Baptist was doing. Let's be a witness of joy. Let it be on our tongue. Let it be in our face, in our posture. Let it be about everything that we do. This is the story. For I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. Now I see. Amazing grace, how sweet this sound that saved a wretch like me. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Would you stand? I want a chance to pray over you. To my Christmas witnesses out there, hold high the banner and the torch of joy this week. As so many people are scrounging around and, and scruffing it out to find a little bit of happiness, may your life be an example of overflowing joy. Press into the gospel. Sing it, read it, share it. Immerse your family in it. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy. It's for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Christ. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life, and a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.